father said to me, Wyatt, you can do whatever you want to in life, but just make sure you do it well and you do it with passion. Every day I go to the office, I enjoy creating the clothes. Be bold means to me, be authentic, be real, be yourself, be confident, and always be a gentleman, but still have that tenacity that no one can take away from you. I want my shirts to be able to be worn in the boardroom or in a discotheca or a nightclub or on a yacht. I really wanted to create something that's fun, outside the box, cool, trendy, yet really bold and interesting. Uh, that is a picture of America's new industrial strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really like the brushwork. <laughs> Which is in, ensuring that the children of billionaires uh, get to pursue their, their bad shirt company passion. Their passion, it's crazy, yeah. like, You know, like you say, like, if you're rich enough, you can never fail. That's like as close as you can get to failing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The pursuit of happiness. Well, this is, this is like uh, the Beckham's photo album thing all over again, isn't it? The photographer son uh, of the, of well, the Beckhams. Well, he was a child, though. This is like a... 30-year-old man. Child. <laughs> very difficult to kind of work out what his age was. He was very extremely ambiguous. Yeah, when people are so 45. fat that they cease to age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I a... thought he really looked a lot like that uh, Cayman Islands banker from The Simpsons. Oh, it's like, too oh, hot. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said they were shirts at all. <laughs> I certainly shouldn't have said they were illegal. <laughs> My favorite part is about is where it shows um, Wyatt Ingram Cock uh, mm -hmm. actually engaging in the process of design. And <laughs> using a crayon. <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he going on to an early Microsoft Word clip art file and just control pasting all over a shirt? I'd also, like you all to meet my personal assistant, this lovely paperclip. <laughs> also, the shirt he was wearing, the main one that he was talking in the video, did have literal bags of money on it. I mean, that, that was a little on the nose, wasn't it? I was. The only way it could be more on the nose if it just had a mirror with a bunch of coke on it and a credit card. It just sort of feels like a plan to see what we will actually put up with. His surname is Coke. So, like. what, what if a shirt was covered in the head-scratching silhouetted man from PowerPoint presentations? <laughs> what is that? I mean, my favorite thing is that um, due to uh, his close association with successful millennial entrepreneurs uh, <coughs> like Wyatt Ingram Coke, um, the, and Dan um, the, the paper clip from uh, PowerPoint is actually going to be a senator. <laughs> Pretty strong. The paper clip is a millennial. I mean, we all grew up with him. I mean, when was he born? 95? Yeah. Yeah. We've all seen the, Square sort of, in the fan territory. art. It's, you know, he's, an, he's a I, cultural icon. He just wants to help. Yeah. Is there a rule 34? Yeah, there is. It was, in, oh, it was no. in one of BuzzFeed's 50 worst things on the internet, wasn't it? Because there was like a pregnant Clippy. And then they asked the creator of Clippy, what do you think about the fact that someone made <laughs> Clippy pregnant? And he was oh, no. deeply confused. Rocco Sifredi <laughs> dressed up as a paperclip. Hey, are you doing a project? 
<laughs> can I give you a hand with that? What if you think that's the only way that you ask someone for help, or you like you yeah. ask to offer help is by dressing up as a paperclip, and that's just exactly you've yeah. learned all your social mores from Microsoft Word. Uh, well, I've I've actually I've 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 gone to wyattingram.com mm-hmm. stroke about uh, where we can learn a little bit more about the mission statement behind this company that makes uh, bright green shirts covered in money. This is a trash future <laughs> business deep dive. <laughs> uh, about Wyatt. Wyatt Cock is a young man with a taste for bold, authentic new looks. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he noticed a void in the menswear industry and set out to fill that void using his creative <laughs> outlets. incredibly overweight. <laughs> a, vil- a void that could not be filled by five lesser men. <laughs> For years, Wyatt has felt disenchanted and uninspired by typical menswear. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I think that that's a level of decadence. Imagine being inspired by your own clothes every day. <laughs> Exhausting. Do you think anyone's ever told him that the shirts are bad? I... No one who wasn't immediately fired. Mm. <laughs> uh. well, that's th- well, has, any, has anyone ever told him that a shirt that you just wear so that people don't have to look at all of you shouldn't be like this inspiring sermon on the mount fucking garment it's, just a, it's a shirt just calm down it, it, well the thing is that actually he just really hates epileptic people <laughs> and this stops them being around him because <laughs> well, I've, I've done some research on on this company and i've i've managed to piece together a little bit of what i think their business process is uh, which is from the... There's a process? From the, uh, there is definitely a process. It's just very extractive and cruel. <laughs> uh, from the uh, video, you can see that Wyatt basically does like a coloring in <laughs> um, of a, a stick figure wearing a bright green shirt. <laughs> so uh, large son Wyatt, when he's not in the discotheca or on the yacht or the boardroom, the only three very regular places he could think that people wear shirts. Yeah. What's, what's one of those dancey places that the flapper girls go to? A, a discotheca. Yes. Well, what he does, he colors that in. Uh, but then Wyatt Ingram's lead designer is the very talented Sophia, who recently moved to the U.S. from Venezuela and brings her vibrant South American flair. That's why it's bags of money, because in Venezuela, that's how you buy bread. (laughs) (laughs) So, really, I think what Wyatt does uh, is uh, he just colors in. He just says, I want money on it. Give me, give, give me one with money in handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody cuff me. I like, I like his, his, his diagram he colors in as if his, his, he's sitting there saying, my idea is for the shirt to always be on the top of the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows I've fallen foul with experimentation there. <laughs> my ass shirts were <laughs> a resounding failure. They said my ass shirts were derivative of pants. <laughs> I'm just I'm just looking over Riley's shoulder at this page, and I found the best part of it, which is that there's a quote at the bottom of the page oh, from Yves Saint Laurent, uh, which says, "Fashions fade, style stop. is eternal." Fortunately, these shirts are neither. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 my favorite part was this t- paragraph entitled "Giving Back." Wyatt believes that oh, wow. no matter what looks are hot on the runway, there is one thing that's always in style. Giving back. Cocaine. Is, it, is it definitely not a prank? <laughs> yeah. Or, like, 
Is it like maybe, you know, he, he set this up as a complete shell in order to convince his presumably overbearing and, you know, uh, very controlling father that he is doing something is with it, his life. Is and it a money laundering operation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he put money on the shirt, so he can launder them. More. <laughs> He's just a very, very literal-minded young man. Do you think, from a from a philosophical point of view, he's correct in the sense that the shirts that he's designed will always be as stylish as they ever were? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there is uh, an element of the infinite about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I'm going to take this opportunity to welcome our listeners once again back to the Trash Future podcast, the podcast about how the future, if we do not implement fully automated luxury gay space communism, (laughs) is and will be trash. With whom, by whom am I joined from my left? With whom? <laughs> like, like the port, we go to the left here. <laughs> we are London Marxists. Uh, it's, uh, it's me, Milo Edwards, uh, at Milo underscore Edwards on Twitter. Triumphantly not in the bowl anymore. <laughs> here live in Hackney. Uh, Abby Wilkinson, at Abby Wilkes, trying to stay off Twitter for, mm-hmm. for my insanity. <laughs> Don't at me. And uh, James Vincent, and uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me on Twitter if you like, but it's not that rewarding. That's all I'm saying. I enjoy your content as an AI specialist journalist. Uh-huh. Yeah. We will be talking about in greater detail yeah. later. Billy's the mm. expert. Foreshadowing. In what? You're the ex- expert in the room. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to be. I've also got Google in front of me in case anything goes wrong. <laughs> Artificial right. and whatagents. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could that easily was... be the name of a startup. <laughs> Yeah, it was my first question when they gave me the job, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and you can follow me at Rala, R-A-A-L-E-H, bad Twitter handle for bad posts. Or you can follow us at Trash Future Pod. And our online correspondent. And finally, uh, now in the ball is... It's Pierre Navelli joining you through... Uh, the magic of the internet. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Pianovelli if you like someone who does a joke about every four months. Um, I retweet a lot of articles that aren't uh, very uh, cheering, cheerful, like sort of things about do- how we're all doomed. So that's, that's my offer. That's what I can offer you. Yeah, it's really in our wheelhouse. Uh, Pierre, as a friend of the show, has been on many yeah. episodes before. This is the quarterly Doomcast. <laughs> <laughs> One in which he said he's never met a Marxist who doesn't speak Latin, and I will always giggle. <laughs> Hang on, I realized in all of the... I'm going to edit some of this bit out, because I realized in all of the restarting to get the, um, get the stuff, I closed some of the uh, browser tabs I had open. And because I'm a very good and professional podcast host course uh, that's how i organize all of this stuff <laughs> in other podcast news the quality of the cheese this week is really good yeah very the fine really cheese. Good. thank you mm. <laughs> one, one thing i i sort of want to note happening that was uh, i guess relatively not trash recently was that uh twitter has finally uh, dealt with its nazi problem in the most milk toast middle of the road way possible <laughs> what have they actually done they yeah do- I lo- yeah sorry no you carry on no i was gonna say the same thing i don't know what they have actually done Maybe like they've kicked some people off, right? But like Jada how Fr- many? So the Britain first people have been kicked off. Well, Jada Franson and Paul Golding were kicked off. Then it's like the tra- Traditionalist Workers Party in America was kicked off. Okay. But a bunch of overt Nazis 
who were already geobanned in Germany and France. That's mm. the thing mm. about it. There's, they yeah. do know who the Nazis are. Mm. They always knew who all the Nazis were, mm. um, but they didn't want to uh, <laughs> have them... Uh, leave for some reason. It's like, oh, these Nazis generate so many. Twitter's clicks. like, wait, who's in charge of our Nazi movement? <laughs> the Argentine government in the mid twentieth century. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so um, th- th- did they say like we're gonna enforce new rules? We are going to like, you know, did they kick off people? Other people like so was they, it they, just they have a hilarious rule that means if someone swears at you and you've got a blue tick, then you're like shadow banned for 24 hours. But if I, share it, <laughs> if I swear at someone with my blue tick, nothing you're happens. To do any. Yeah, oh. well. I, I swear at Hussein Kesvani, who couldn't unfortunately can't join us uh, this evening. I swear at him all the time. <laughs> I think it's because he follows you, but they do have this like strange class structure, which the Nazis were in the upper mm. class of for quite mm. a while. Mm. Yeah. There is, oh. There's a master race of blue so tick like, people on Twitter. If you tell a Nazi to go fuck themselves, you may get blocked from Twitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or even if you say like, oh, go eat a poo, like really like weird. Twitter's like, well, that's not very nice. <laughs> Twitter's basically like your mum, like, I don't care who started it, but you can't tell other children to go eat a poo. Exactly. Do you think that the, the blue tick was a d- designed to say like, we've checked and they, they've verified they are a Nazi. They're not one of these fakers that you get now. They really are Nazis, so... So I don't have a blue tick, you know. I just can't get Twitter to believe that I'm a real Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Trying my best. Well, I'll say what I really enjoyed uh, about this recently, in the run-up to um, just banning the obvious Nazi accounts. So, you know, Richard Spencer is still there for fans of Richard Spencer. You Has know. he got a blue tick? Uh, no, they've taken his blue tick, okay. but he does still post. And he does... <laughs> And I think, and one of the things that we get here is that uh, Twitter's search algorithms, obviously, they don't distinguish between Nazi and not Nazi. So if you start following, you know, Richard Spencer and Paul Joseph Watson, it's gonna like it will re- it would have recommended that you follow um, one of these. Um, <laughs> Riley just angled, like took my hand and pointed my microphone away from my mouth because I was eating cheese. Very, very delicately. With, with very the, fatherly yeah, gesture. Sort of, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing I with the it algorithms. It's, um, um, Ryan Roddick did an article uh, for BuzzFeed about it, about you start following like slightly right-wing cranky accounts and mm. you end up at like the traditionalist workers yeah. party or yeah. like... Because if the algorithm has nothing to go on, it takes yeah. what little inclinations like, you give it and it ramps yeah. it up. It's like... Mm. It's, yeah, it's like, well, people who like Bill O'Reilly also often quite like white genocide. Yeah, so yeah. Like, <laughs> I think they famously don't like that. The other one. <laughs> that's the bad one. They're actually yeah. acceleration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, white, j- white genocide is people who are different races having sex, isn't it? it sounds okay. like it sounds like a nineties punk band. Yeah. <laughs> You you can't you can't have that. Sex is only for white people, which is what they say because I, th- I think they just really want to finally have some. Did any of them get mad at mm. Ann Coulter for not having white children? Did you see her sort of like, oh, why should I have to pay taxes because I'm sad and lonely? And that was oh yeah, that was so uh, she she split, said that yeah. uh, uh, why should I feel. Um, any sympathy for people with partners and families while all of us single people lead lives of sort of devastation and regret or something. Yeah. We're going for the incel vote, which is probably yeah. quite effective. Emo Ayn Rand. But then, <laughs> then there was that split with like, uh, you know, the sort of, uh, the, 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 the women of the alt-right who were saying, and what if we don't want to have children for all the reasons that people don't want to have oh, children? Yeah, and everyone was like, no, it's your job to have they, children. They discovered the Nazis were a bit sexy. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> and that was pretty yeah, sad. 
turns out that you know it it was what was it Kinder Kirche Kirche it was uh, children kitchen and church not children church and uh, occasionally boardroom with fully paid maternity leave. <laughs> now I may have said have a baby for the Führer but I'm not a Nazi. It's just a it's a it's a it's a figure of speech. <laughs> So, so uh, one thing I, I did really enjoy uh, was seeing a lot of these tech executives get a very thorough dressing down uh, in, in Parliament recently, yeah. mm. Um, mm. where um, a, when M- Ms. McSweeney, the uh, EMEA uh, head of um, policy, I think, for, for Twitter, um, says that basically in response to um, you know, M- MPs saying, we've been reporting the same tweet for months now, so av- sort of an anti-Semitic tweet what do we have to do to get it taken down um and uh so twitter uh has um has made 25 different sort of changes to its system as employing people to actually like look at and take down tweets but ultimately they they still don't fully understand their own internal systems uh as mcsweeney said i can't say categorically uh how long it would take to get taken uh, this tweet get take to get taken down it would depend on what else was going on in the world but we're, we're probably not talking about anything more than a day or two under the new system. It's, it's really unclear to me what does and doesn't break the rules, because, like, fuck off in some cases mm. does seem to, but, like, you know, very serious sort of pro-genocide long threads seem mm. fine. Well, it's, it's if you can... Yeah. It's that they, their, their rules are sort of... Their rules are based on what it's easy for them to enforce. It's and swearing. yeah. And so if you have a long thread where you say, now I might not necessarily be advocating for genocide, but here are all the advantages of a white ethnostate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's it, isn't it? Because the, the kind of person whose job is to sit and delete tweets isn't the kind of person who should necessarily be expected to put all the energy into differentiating between a valid, if extreme, political point of view and an actual rambling Nazi or a, or a hypothetical scenario. Yeah. Or, just hire people. And then like, maybe part of the problem is that the kind of people who want to sit on Twitter and, and delete other people's tweets are also Nazis. It's like that, that scene from the if fucking Indiana Jones, you just open the door. This is where all our moderators are. It's like, a, <laughs> Lenny, it's like Lenny Riefenstahl's triumph of the will or something, just legions of fascists. To, if to get around like some kind of like algorithm for sorting out what the Nazis were, the Nazis all started using like really complex grammar and double negatives. Like I'm not not saying that genocide <laughs> is not good, but the, I mean that's that's where the, um, uh, the what's so the like there's a big Hitler speech where he says, "Listen very carefully to me." It is opposite day. Please don't invade France. <laughs> so what I love about this is just uh, we all know the uh, the the episode of the of the of the Simpsons, the Treehouse of Horror, where uh, it's the Shining, right? And mm. Homer goes crazy and murders the whole family. Isn't it the Shining? Do you want to get sued? <laughs> <laughs> that was a perfect setup. Well done. <laughs> and um and 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 Willie bursts in and, and to save them from the mad Homer. Uh, and he, his line in that episode of The Simpsons, as he is then axed by a mad Homer in the back, is exactly what McSweeney says um, about how Twitter handles the Nazis. I'm just not very good at this. <laughs> he literally does say, we're just not very good imagine, at this. Uh, imagine if your whole defense hinged on the legal fact that it is not a crime to be incompetent. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I have a Modern feeling... politics has taught us nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> Ilya, if you could, if your only defense is to look down the camera lens and shrug while a big tuba plays, and then everyone lets you get away with it. Curb <laughs> your enthusiasm defense. <laughs> I, I've really enjoyed like, sort of discovering rudimentary ethical issues, though. Oh, I mean... Like, I think one of, one of my favorite examples of this is where uh, one of the tech bros, I can't remember who it was, came up with the idea that maybe to solve the crisis in underfunding public services, billionaires should just go ahead and adopt certain public services in certain yeah, geographies. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Thereby inventing taxes. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be kind of sad when they get rid of all the amusingly dumb Nazis from Twitter, though, because they brought so much joy into our lives. Like the other day when Tommy Robinson tweeted, like, oh, I am never drinking again, and someone subtweeted him, like, I have got the religion for you. <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, the uh, thing is, what happens if they do kick off like all the Nazis, and um, you know, what happens if they do decide that we need to take some sort of an ideolog ideological stance? Because something we've written about in the past, which is about like the right wing trying to create their own sort of parallel structure of the internet, so you mm. have this sort of gab.ai. Gab exactly. You know, yeah. I honestly think it's fine because they can just yeah, they can just be in that. You think yeah. they can just be in their own well, corner? Well, I mean, I don't. I mean, you know, I'm sure they're organizing, but you can't stop mm. people organizing. Five, yeah, I mean, that, but that was my point. You, does that push them into organizing more quickly, perhaps? Hey, but I mean, I, I guess what I would say is there's less of a slippage between normal people who are potentially vulnerable to radicalization. That's true. And, like, yeah. you know, if you, if you already want to go on the racist internet, then you can go on the racist Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because it's everywhere. You. you can now buy a separate package for that in the Net neutrality. My favorite part of that net neutrality video was where, where Ajit Pai was in the Santa outfit and the fidget spinner and then in the clan outfit with the burning torch. It's, it's, not, it's not impossible that Choose your own adventure. Set, someone sets off a... A, 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 yeah, a we could actually build prison racist. planets. At least, at least if you had someone come around and install Nazi internet, all your neighbors would know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the antenna on the router is in the shape. It would be that. It would be. It would be worse. It would be like get the proper internet for like. Thirty dollars a month, or get like Nazi internet for ten dollars a month. You can still <laughs> buy all the same stuff. <laughs> but, I mean, that would be buy that some would towels be... from the white and right company. <laughs> I, I have a feeling if you get if capitalism is going to deal with that sort of ideology in any well, way, it's by yeah right. But it would be by smothering it in consumerism, which would be like let's just actually make being a Nazi something you have to pay an incredible amount of money for, and therefore minimize the amount of people who can <laughs> access. Urban well, outfitters start hey, selling a Nazi T-shirt. But then you've got those you've got those billionaires who are funding my. Yiannopoulos for ages. He yeah, might just subsidise Nazis. I mean, yeah, you could argue that that's what happening. That's what happening is already. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does. Build it does already seem to be very expensive to be a Nazi. But if we made that official, then being a Nazi would just become what sort of Paris Hilton does to prove how rich she is. <laughs> right. On a yeah, and then it would be like a, a social status thing. But that would yeah, I mean, be horrible. Basically, the real that tragedy is yes. <laughs> Nazism isn't accessible to working class children. <laughs> <laughs> but we could have. We could have a political party that argues for that so yes. you know everything will be fine one of the things that really distinguished the nazis was their sharp hugo boss designed uniforms. <laughs> yeah. so i for one am going to advocate that this new generation of nazis is bold 
and adventurous. But they and do. <laughs> but they do. They just <laughs> <laughs> yes. With an eternal style. Covered in tiny swastikas <laughs> that are green and yellow. And their money bag shirts. <laughs> <laughs> it, w- it would fit. They, they wear the polar shirts tucked into the car keys. They could jazz it up a bit. It wouldn't be good for <laughs> camouflage in the, in the sort of winter war. <laughs> well, um, one thing, one, one question you, you raised earlier, James, was um, wh- why do they keep all these people on? Mm. And there is yeah. another article that BuzzFeed recently published um, as to that where they have, they have an, an email chain discussing what to do about sort of verified Nazis. Um, and uh, I'm going to read a paragraph from this article now. One employee on this email chain argued that Twitter's own internal metrics suggest a very different internal meeting for the blue checkmark than mere identification. Verification makes the account measured for media OKRs, or objectives and key results, Mm -hmm. and contributes to the very important Twitter account we report to shareholders. Um, So really, verified users are actually valuable to the company themselves. The more sort of traffic they generate, the more clicks they generate, the more engagement they generate. So in fact, having, having more verified Nazis on the platform actually boosts Twitter's um, metrics and therefore boosts its valuation. Mm. Yeah. And you, there have been studies done about what are the sort of posts that get the most engagement on social media. And God, I'm, I'm going to do that thing of half remembering knowing, something. Knowing sort of knowing things. <laughs> no, 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 no. Mis- misremembering what might be good social uh, studies research. But As if was... anything, the brand of this podcast. <laughs> Carry on with our yeah, branding. If it sounds plausible, we'll go with it. Which is basically saying, if I remember correctly, uh, was, you know, that um, certain negative emotions tend to spread further than positive emotions. And, you know, if, if you're looking at it from that angle, then there is an argument to be said um, that maybe platforms have unwittingly adopted or you know made space for accommodated these nastier views because you know they um boost bottom lines i i I don't think that is twitter's you know stated ideology in any sense um but stated ideology is the bottom line right but that's the thing so yeah what what you know it's like that uh, article we may be discussing later in this podcast, you know, if you're motivated purely by what the market dictates as being good, then that will lead you to some unsavory places. I, I do think mm. there probably is like a tendency to subscribe to this idea that, you know, we need a battle of ideas and the best ideas will win out. Mm. When in actual fact, the way societies tend to operate is you have kind of soft enforcement of social norms and that's mm. the only way things can possibly wor- work. And if you kind of mainstream... I mean, Betamax was better. Wyatt Ingram's shirts literally cannot fail. <laughs> I mean, has anyone the, bought the a real, The real thing that makes it addictive is the fact that if you had a TV show which was about verified Nazis, it wouldn't be nearly as successful because the TV show doesn't inherently give you a way of hurling abuse directly into their pocket. That's the, that's the addictive factor of Twitter, which is like, look at what this terrible Nazi said. Also, this is a direct line to that yeah. self-same yeah. person. Yeah. Just imagine Twitter, like Pierre following Nazis around on the street, yelling abuse into their pockets. <laughs> <laughs> you bloody white supremacists! Get out of Douglas! <laughs> there are only white people here! <laughs> Um, so just to tell you finger, do we have definitive proof that anyone's ever bought one of Wyatt's shirts? Uh, we know that they're deeply discounted. Mm. Oh, are you saying should we buy them now? Is I, that and that deeply unbuttoned? I mean, I don't. I just, I'm just asking: Has anyone? Just, is there proof? Has anyone ever bought a shirt of Wyatt? I imagine what happens is that on in his shop in in Palm Beach, 
I think, uh, Charles Cock and then uh, Barrel's Cock and then Gnarl's Cock in various combinations of mustaches and glasses come in and like, ooh, I must have this handsome shirt. <laughs> anyway, if you want to buy a I, fetching bowl I shirt. I think I would buy one we if I was trying to concoct some sort of fraud where I trick him into investing into fake diamonds or maybe assassinate him, then I would buy one. As a kind of conversation started. <laughs> anyway, if you go to White Coke's website and use the p- promo code TRASHFUTUREPOD, you can get a 20% <laughs> discount on the money bag shirt. <laughs> I mean, I think we've, we've already got a couple of calls out. We, we already have a couple of wide-standing requests out to our, user, our users, our listeners. One, if you're the Zune user, please come forward. Um, we have one Zune user. What? How do you know that? How do you know? Because I have it on the stats. I know what platform. Oh, it shows up. Uh, yeah. But uh, no one two, using a creative Zen. Two, I would, <laughs> I would very much like for someone to buy us a crypto kitty. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'd like a crypto kitty. Yeah. Very, are they really expensive now? Didn't they like? Depends on the kitty. Depends on the kitty. We, we would accept a cheap oh, okay. one. A mongrel kitty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it can fight its way to the top of the beauty competition or mm. whatever it is. People yeah. buy crypto kitties. And then three, we would like, please, for you to send us um, five Wyatt Ingram shirts, mm-hmm. so we can we'll wear them to our live show. <laughs> so we can wear them to our live show on January 9th, which you should all come to if you're in London. Anyway, um, where is the live show? Uh, oh, right, I forgot to say that it's at the Star of Kings, oh, uh, cool. hosted by a uh, friend of the show and rotating guest host Alex Keeley. Cool, That's good. Yeah, but where can we book tickets? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> uh, Alex, when you listen to this, please tell people. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, maybe they're bad mm-hmm. folks. Yeah. Could be. Um, but we have, we have some more, some more fun, fun content, um, <laughs> to get, to get to, uh, Abby, you published something in the Guardian it's, it wasn't, recently. It wasn't, it wasn't fun content. No, well, um, it's not fun content. No, it's, it's basically just pointing out that cars are killing lots and lots of us and we don't seem to care at all. <laughs> very, like, I think 40,000 people a year die um, prematurely in London because of air pollution and cars cause half of air pollution in London and wood burning fires cause a disproportionately large amount of air pollution in London people in their fancy flats with wood burning fires which well, I didn't mention in the article um, but I don't I've know. never been to a flat with a wood burning no, fire no it's probably like Kensington probably yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, my parents have one but they live like and I think it's in fine burbs, in the countryside. So yeah. No, yeah, but it's just like it's killing lots of us, and obviously it's killing the planet. But in the short term, it's killing lots of us, and mm-hmm. we pretty chill about it. Mm-hmm. That was I don't well, know what else to say. You, about you it. You mentioned in the in the article that a report by the British Lung Foundation today uh, suggested that lung disease admissions to hospitals in England and Wales have written, risen at three times the rate of other conditions. Right. Typical yeah. special interest group. They're biased <laughs> towards lungs. Yeah, people, people with lungs. I haven't heard from the British Combustion Engine yeah. Foundation. It's really fun. I live on a busy road as well. So I'm like, I, I mean, I'm leaving London soon, but I'm always really conscious. Conscious Because if you, if you live like some roads in London, if you live and work there, it's the equivalent of, drink, of um, smoking 30 cigarettes a day. Mm. So shit. move to the country and you can smoke. Because like, they're like Shoreditch, because there are like 800 it's people like, it's smoking like, roll-ups like around. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, like the big main roads, but like there's a few... Yeah, so you, you move to the countryside and you smoke, say, 10 a day, you're significantly healthier than if you live in London. There you go, smokers, there's a solution for you. <laughs> <laughs> move to Stoke and uh, smoke as much as you want. But I, I, I can definitely, if, you know, I go home to my parents in the countryside or whatever. When you come back into London, you can definitely taste the oh, difference I've, in the I've air quality. And, mm. It's like I, I, I get less grey and my hair gets 
bouncier and I had like rosy cheeks and like I just come back to London <laughs> and get cold immediately. <laughs> like, yeah. Outside of London, one of those uh, Wyatt what's his face shirts just doesn't look quite so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like, everything just is brighter. Yeah, exactly. Like, even yeah. my even my money bag shirt begins to droop. Exactly. It's also it's also like it's pollution, but also, you know, there's about 1,500, 2,000 traffic deaths a year in the UK. So it's just like, well, yeah, that's what happens if you give everyone uh, a high powered explosion fueled death machine and let them drive around and just don't check up on them. Friend of the show, Elon Musk, has a couple of <laughs> solutions. <laughs> one of the one of so the, wise. One of the feckless nerds who's going to ultimately doom us all. Well, no, he's going he's gonna, he's gonna to be fine. He's going to escape to Mars or whatever the fuck. He's going to leave us all. Yeah. He's building his pot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I told, I'm, I'm actually very interested in, invest, in investing in SpaceX because I think it accomplishes a collective goal of all of humanity, which is the sending of Elon Musk <laughs> to Mars. <laughs> I, I really hope that Elon Musk gets to Mars and ends up being like the plot of Alien Covenant. That's can, like... can we just all pretend that we're going to follow behind him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like you're going your part, we'll come next. We're just going to lock up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the hitchhikers go to the galaxy where they send off like a, a third of their civilization. Right. The useless part. And they say, yeah, we all go to Mars first. We'll be right behind you. And they just leave swing them. this. We could. Yeah. We could convince Elon Musk. All the Nazis as well. You know, there's lots of Labans around. <laughs> On Mars. <laughs> <laughs> On Mars, Britain's first. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, but then can you, can you imagine the, the, you know, being reinvaded by space Nazis in about 500 years? Mm. That's basically that the pull of that iron sky. Yeah, that was the iron it? sky. Yeah. <laughs> So um, Elon Musk has two solutions, uh, one of which is to begin uh, firing every car into space, uh, beginning with his own mm. cherry red Tesla Roadster, which will apparently be playing space oddity on it because he's a massive fucking nerd. <laughs> However, we accidentally left an eight year old boy in Elon Musk's cherry red <laughs> Tesla who will now have to listen to David Bowie's space oddity for all eternity. This is the exact opposite of what we wanted to happen. <laughs> Unless it was the Russians, they just put an increasingly, an exponentially growing number of dogs in with it. <laughs> uh, it would just be that Tetris music, a load of dogs. Uh, no, so um, Elon Musk has another idea, though, short, but before he can just start launching all the cars into space. Uh, his idea is essentially to destroy uh, public transit, mm -hmm. uh, which he hates, of course. Regular. Uh, he says... I think public transit is painful. It sucks. Why do you want to get on something with a lot of other people that doesn't leave where you want it to leave, doesn't start where you want it to start, doesn't end where you want it to end? And it doesn't go all the time. It's a pain in the ass. That's why everyone doesn't like it. And there's like a bunch of random strangers, one of whom might be a serial killer. <laughs> so he's invited self-driving cars. Uh, al almost. In this case, this is um, because he wants to build intricate networks of transportation systems uh, deep underground mm. <laughs> for individuals. So his big thing is like he calls them 3D tunnels, which are basically like very deep tunnels which have um, carriage systems for public transportation, but also for cars. And you put your car in a pod and you put that people in a pod. That sounds fucking terrifying. I mean, like, it's fine. It's just like the tube. It's just like, why not just improve the yeah, current public yeah, infrastructure we have? A, a tube where people are driving on their own is terrifying. Well, I guess it'd be oh. automated. Oh, no, but, they're, but they're not driving. It's all computers. No one's got any oh, individual. Oh, well, we know yeah. computers are fine. <laughs> 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 I, I, th I think, uh, like, look, Elon Musk is a very smart man, but the trouble is that he's too rich and powerful now to differentiate between his own anxiety about public transport and an actual negative quality. 
Oh, completely. And this, isn't this the problem of like a lot of these tech billionaires is that they, they just, you know, they don't have the perspective to see what they see as the problem is maybe just being their personal problem. And so they just project. But that's it. it. There's not enough of them are willing to realize the ridiculousness of, of standing up and saying, the, the trouble with light switches is that you always have to turn the light switch on and off 10 times or your family die. <laughs> People on the tube keep knocking on my stovepipe hat. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, what you said about, you know, you get into a room for people, any one of them could be a killer. It's what I think whenever I come into a podcast. Like, I don't know you people. It could be, it could, I'm sorry, I do know you a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I specifically want to avoid the cheese is poison. Like <laughs> Invading your booze. Uh, hold on. I can... No, oh. I'm going to go for whiskey. It's fine. Okay, cool. This oh, is the Mitchell Brews I might switch some of that as well. Uh, is, is there another beer at all? Uh, you know, there might well if there's not, that's no problem. I will join Abby in the whiskey. Yeah. yeah. So what I notice about uh, Musk's uh, uh, plan is that essentially it requires an incredibly inefficient use of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's all about basically making it so that you can just take your personal car and go in like a pod underground where you'll be spat out more or less exactly where you want to go in your own private train. How many people, a million people are in London? It is literally self-driving cars, but underground. Yeah. Yeah. And in in tubes built for them that you could have train carriages going down, but you're going to have individual cars instead. Also, like, everyone will... Like it's, it's good to have to walk a few minutes every day. Like you feel the air, and it's kind of toxic, and it tastes feel like the dirt. toxic air. <laughs> <laughs> but you, so apparently, you get more pollution in a car than really? um, than walking. So from the car you're in, yeah. So like it's not like the people with the big sort of four by fours outside the school gates aren't just poisoning themselves. everyone around them; they're also poisoning their own children. Oh, mm. plus uh, plus any uh, errant uh, flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, harmfully contained instead of naturally drifting. Right. That's why we need the faces those, uh, of other members of the public. filtering underpants. Um, any, any, any more on on Mr. Musk's brilliant transit idea that is obviously completely stupid and will just divert tons and tons of needed resources and money from actually just making the current public transit systems, which work it's fine. It's just obviously fucking stupid. Like everything these people but do. The weird thing is, he's actually doing it. I remember because we've Where? been we well he's building tunnels in underneath Chicago. SpaceX's How no, in LA he's doing yeah. it in LA he's because like what you know I, know I know because capitalism because he's a billionaire we we we've been covering it for ages and when he first started talking about it we were all like we don't know how serious to take but, this but like, why do we let these people okay, so like at the point at which they all start building shelters because they think society is going to collapse why do we not take their money off them because they're clearly planning to ruin everything and then run away like what does it yeah, take but then, but then you're just proving them correct <laughs> like, literally what does it take to prompt us into action like it's just like a slow motion kind of hovering. don't be alarmed by the mist descending from the ceiling gentlemen and don't be alarmed that I'm putting on this gas mask <laughs> it's completely unrelated it's literally it's like the fall of Rome except they're all gonna have bunkers so we in, just can't in, get in fairness we should just let Elon Musk drill all the tunnels and then when he's done just go Oh, uh, bad news. We're going to put trains in them. <laughs> that's the only way that you're allowed to swap. I would love that. I would love that. And we let Jake Paul film his reaction as a prank. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was just fantasizing about Silicon Valley being sacked by the Visigoths. Do you reckon he's got a private army? Who? Elon Musk? Elon Musk. Yeah. Security guys. You must, yeah. you Back must in have the a South massive Africa days, detail. I'm sure he did. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, uh, it, it, you know, I mean, Britain and America and most of the big companies in Britain and America are currently using small private armies and most of them, a, a high degree of them used to entirely be made up of, of South Africans. So, yeah, it's pretty likely. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, Blackwater, or as it's now known, we, I've never seen that dead child before incorporated. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Where it's like, what if we took uh, all the uh, most mental survivalist, sniper, highly trained, uh, sociopathic trained killers and, and we removed all the limitations of uh, patriotism? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's just like South Africans, the only people you can like put into an environment like a Middle Eastern war and they feel right at home. This is like a fucking holiday. They call this a war. <laughs> yeah, downtown Johannesburg is, is, yeah, not dissimilar on some nights of the week to uh, certain parts of, uh, of Baghdad. But there Sorry, is Emma. not, there is, there is not going to be any justice. What's going to happen is they're going to ruin everything, collapse society, then retreat to their bunkers and launch off it up to Mars. Like, we, it's going to be too late. Regroup at the moon, base, I, gentlemen. I, I think... Uh, I'm 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 on the side of thinking that Elon Musk is is teetering into craziness, but he's like he's the only good or nearly good billionaire. No, he's Dolly like, Parton. Is she a billionaire? Yeah, but, I don't know if she's a billionaire, yeah, but, Do- but she's yeah, but the Dolly, only rich Do- Dolly Parton's never made publicly available blueprints for her electric car. She's <laughs> no, keeping it Dolly, to herself. Dolly it's very Parton selfish. Is, is giving it a, a basic income to um, hurricane survivors. She she? Um, she does a free books for poor oh, children books, books program great, in Rotherham. Yeah. And other places as well. Dolly Parton is the only good rich person. No oh, shit. Dolly Parton, come on, trash future. Mm. Right. Working nine to five on a four today on a four day week. I'm trying to figure. There's another one. Um, there's there's rich people who do. Some of them are okay. Give Bill money Gates away, is like, okay, isn't he? Yeah. No, no, well, Bill, Gates, Bill Gates is deeply feelings. problematic because he basically like like for example, he has this one idea of how people should learn maths, <clears> and he's <throat> taking advantage of a massive like a massive sort of hollowing out of the American public education system to be the only game in town with lots of money. And then is able to say, like, well, I've got the money, but you have to learn maths my way. I don't care too much about how people learn maths, though. I don't know. And I've got Wyatt Coke. Unelected (laughs) political... Using your money to have unelected power over public service. I mean, it's... Yeah, yes, that's... Dolly Parton is the only purely good rich person. And that was the Trash Future official ranking of which rich people are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, still only Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back to talk about AI. And I also have uh, an article that I want to get through if we have time. Spoiler alert. It's someone who says that maybe millennials should be looking beyond Karl Marx to a different philosopher. <laughs> See you in a second. Which one? So, uh, Abby, tell me what you were saying in the break about a certain American uh, Speaker of the House. I said Paul, Paul Ryan is very evil, but also slightly sexy. But also really evil to be too evil to be properly sexy, but also a little bit. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, the the taboo of the of the sexy no, right wing man. No, no, it's not like it's not like oh he wants to kill the poor and that adds to his allure. Like it's a definitely in conflict. Yeah, but he's so sexy. That Whisper he... it in my ear, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you want to pump gas into where? <laughs> is it is it the appeal of someone who's sort of he's into like into extreme fitness? But also is is so sort of right wing and religious that it would be like a supermodel who insists on having eleven children. Well, it's like politics, isn't it? There's like actually hot, and then there's like hot for politics. Oh yeah, like like hot <laughs> for teacher oh, yeah. or like yeah. yeah. Is it, actually, voting 70. Republican is the ultimate sub dom relationship. Oh, God. Like, I just want to be punished. Take away my health care, Daddy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> think that maybe the solution then is to convince a lot of right-wing uh, billionaires that it's like a fin dom thing like pay the government money and it might not oh. even do anything for <laughs> I, you I, I, I have i have them guys they email me and try and give me money but as far as i know none of them are paul ryan <laughs> as far as you know the key phrase okay if you're listening for yeah that's a fourth <laughs> request from the uh trash future hosts uh, we want uh, the Zoom user to come forward, someone to buy us a crypto kitty. We want to mm. be outfitted in wide Ingram shirts. And Paul Ryan, uh, let Abby Findom you. Um, I want to make it clear that I'm not actively inviting this shit unless it's Paul Ryan. Yeah. It's just people just contact yeah. you if you have it. Paul like, Ryan is the Zoom user. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as, as is Trash Future Edition, um, we have some actual clever stuff to talk about now. Ooh. Or at least clever. Since when is that trash future tradition? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I should be I should be clear. As is trash future tradition, we've now done a lot of dumb stuff, and now we're gonna do some small amount of clever stuff to yeah. trick people into continuing to listen to us. And then we stand for the anthem at the end. <laughs> <laughs> what is the anthem? Is it Dolly Parton? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's, it's <laughs> Jolene. I know, so it's taking E my ass, obviously. Can, can, yeah. we, can we actually We're do that? E. <laughs> do we have a copy of Taken E my ass? By Dolly Parton? We've got a turntable. I want it on vinyl. <laughs> Any, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, James, mm. you are uh, an, a journalist specializing in AI, mm -hmm. uh, and we, there has also been this very interesting uh, article that's come out on BuzzFeed News um, by Ted Chang. Uh, about how the real danger to civilization uh, that could or could not be posed by different kinds of AIs and the different ways that they might be deployed. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, Ted Chang, who is, a, if you've not heard of him, a brilliant science fiction writer, he's kind of like, he's, I always love this in a writer, as someone who's like been around for a while, but actually not written very much, because then you don't have a lot to go through, and it's always usually pretty good. Um, so you should definitely buy his um, collection of short stories, uh, something, story of lives or something. Sponsored. The, sorry, <laughs> trash, future, trash Future host request number five. He's really good, he's an enjoyable... Surprising writer. Anyway, the code trash future pick. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote this article for BuzzFeed News called "Silicon Valley is Turning into Its Own Worst Fear," which addresses. Um, hello, uh, it's, it's the Illuminati. Fans are outside again. It's, 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 it's Paul Ryan. Oh my god! <laughs> Come on up. 
yeah. holding a boombox a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Playing music from his Zune. <laughs> um, um, it's, a, it's a man actually with some shirts. Um, not, sorry, not, not Wyatt. It's not Wyatt. My God, no, they would be normal dry Oh my cleaning. God, it's Elon Musk Tesla. <laughs> um, so uh, Ted Chiang, he wrote this article and it's basically talking about um, how... There's a subset of tech billionaires in Silicon Valley who love to fantasize about what they call superintelligence, which is a concept about um, artificial intelligence becoming much cleverer than human humans, going on this runway path and you know destroying all of civilization in the process. If artificial intelligence doesn't masturbate for long enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so the, the thing it turns on is indeed uncontrolled uh, urges. Um, but... It's it's basically um, it's a reformulation of what is sometimes like called the value alignment program. Is how that we create AI that sort of knows what we know and has the same sort of um, uh, you know uh, morals as us. So um, the classic um, the classic example of it is called the paperclip problem, where you set an AI to build a lot of paperclips and then you don't give it any more specific instructions than that, and it goes on and it keeps on building paperclips and then eventually it decides that it needs to terraform the entire Earth in order to. <coughs> turn that into paperclips. Ted Chiang is saying that this is a reflection on Silicon Valley's dedication, its love of capitalism, because they're saying, you know, what does this AI fear represent? It is something, it is a corporate entity or some sort that is only dedicated to one thing and avoids or ignores all other morals in order to just create what the market demands, in this case, paperclips. Um, and he says that this is, you know, this is um, Silicon Valley's worst fear is themselves, basically. This is what they're scared of. Mm -hmm. so, so is it like, if it wasn't programmed by these people, it would be fine? Or is it more complicated than that? Well, because, I, 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 I mean, I love this essay, um, and I completely, like, I agree with it that this is why it's become a particular fixation of uh, billionaires like Elon Musk, um, because they come out of this hyper-competitive capitalist system. It's the only thing they know. It's the only values they know. And so obviously they would turn to it, they would turn to AI and imagine it becoming a monster in their own image. But, I mean, like, that as a problem goes back a long time within AI theorists. Um, and What's thought. the Golem problem, isn't it? What, yeah, it's the genie problem. It's like, what do you do if you create this incredibly powerful being and, you know, it's, it's about hubris. It's about comeuppance. It's like we ask it to do something and it does it, but too much. I realize I, I did, I did this, this, the, same, um, the same illusion, but mine had triple parentheses around it. <laughs> yeah. I accidentally set an AI to create trendy yet bold shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and they've taken over the earth. Indeed. I, yeah, I so... Um, that's basically what he's saying. But I mean, I think it's a really interesting question, the fact that we do have a lot of tech billionaires who seem to be very seriously worried about this sort of thing. I am... Um, I love that their response is to buy a decommissioned nuclear shelter and, and <laughs> or like move to New Zealand where no one can touch them. It, right. No computers worrying. in New Zealand. Completely <laughs> safe. <laughs> Just the Lord of the Rings. It's fine over there. Sheep. They haven't hacked those. <laughs> To, to, to what extent would these billionaires' fears be allayed if you sellotaped them to a chair and made them read Isaac Asimov and just taught them about the three rules of robotics where, like, if we have AI that is actual AI, it would be smart enough to sit and go, hang on, if I turned the earth into paperclips, people would die from not being able to eat anything but paperclips. <laughs> and then they wouldn't buy paperclips. But the earth would be so helpful. It looks like you're trying to turn the earth into paperclips. Yeah. Oh my god, the real white genocide was just turning everyone into Clippy. 
And so, I mean, I, yeah. There's no state of paperclips. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a really good game about this as well. Uh, if you oh, use I've universal paperclips or something like that, it's um, just a text only game if you search for it, but it's very, very good fun. Basically, it's not realistic that, for example, a, a computer is going to decide that the best way for it to produce paperclips is to kill people. Well, See, the thing is, I think it's, it's, we shouldn't take any of this stuff literally. We are all basically projecting what are sort of minor fears <laughs> onto... We, we are all in a simulation. <laughs> <laughs> we are all literal projections. Yeah. Um, we, we're all kind of like, I think we come up and, you know, tech billionaires are part of this and people who talk about AI are part of this. We come up with these sort of exaggerated scenarios which um, really have an imaginative hook and a grip and allow us to think about these subjects. Um, but in a very real way, I think what the article is saying, and I think what is unignorable, is that the people, the companies that are creating this stuff, they're not creating super intelligent AIs, but they are creating incredibly powerful automated systems that are going to entrench themselves into more parts of our lives, into education, into healthcare. And it's not, we're not going to come up with a conscious entity that is suddenly going to start running wild, but, you know, um, what if the entity that is controlling this is capitalism? What if the entity that is controlling this is the dictates of the market? And what is that going to mean? And in, in that case, I think the fear is incredibly real because we're creating these systems. They're being concentrated in the hands of very few tech companies. And like, what is going to be res the result of that? Well, this is sort of, uh, this sort of goes back to something we were discussing earlier about how, you know, Twitter has its recommendation system of who to follow. Mm. And, you know, if you follow a couple Nazis, it'll helpfully suggest to you more Nazis uh -huh. to follow. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, not, not, yeah, not even just Nazis. You follow a couple of borderline, borderline cases. And a couple then it of Swiss. Have you considered Reinhardt Heydrich? <laughs> <laughs> There's a new line of colognes for me. <laughs> but, it's a uniform that says style, yet bold. <laughs> In terms of, um, Bill, oh, hang on. I can hear myself talking. What's going on now? Disturbing. Pierre's attained sentience. <laughs> oh, God. It's the last fucking thing I need. Yeah, this do. How's that? Uh, how, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear you? And I can't hear my own terrifying echo. Thank yeah. Christ. Great. No, the, the golem... So the, the Golem problem, as applied to the, uh, that Twitter situation, the Golem problem is just, it's, a, it's from Jewish folklore, mm -hmm. where you, know, you, um, you, build a golem, you build a golem to sort of do a task, and you put um, a chem in its head, yeah. um, and it just acts out what the instruction on that piece of paper. Right, right, right. But it will do, the problem with the Golem is that it will do it endlessly. And so it's similar to the genie, where you sort of, you are consumed by your own wish coming true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, right. You know, yeah. It's yeah. plant a row of beans, and then it turns the earth into a row of beans. It's all a reference. It's all be careful what you wish for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, and, and it's this is the Goosebumps series. That <laughs> 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 terrified me as a kid. I did not like Goosebumps. Um, I didn't know, in fact, they're actually Jewish folklore. <laughs> the piano that turns you black and white. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I, yeah. It, it is a sort of. Um. It is that be careful what you wish for directive. Um. And, you know, but I think it is also, like I said, Ted's essay raises this point about capitalism. And I think, you know, the, the, all these things are folded together and they're being talked about in this very vague space. But what it also allows us or allows some people to do is to ignore 
thinking about the very real stuff that's happening now. And in that way, I think sort of this fantasy about super intelligent AI is, mm-hmm. is sort of like effective altruism. And, you know, these people are thinking like, what is like, what is going to be the most effective way for us to help people? So they come up with this far-fetched situation of super intelligent AI killing people in the future so they're like let's dedicate lots of money to that as if it's like the best thing rather than helping out with more immediate difficulties and challenges so the more immediate sort of difficulties and challenges that would be stuff like paying tax (laughs) (laughs) or even like um, stopping donating to the Republican Party it's just so difficult (laughs) if only we could get some kind of AI that would helpfully redirect all donations to the Republican Party to struggling businesses (laughs) like Wyatt Ingram it's basically like they're not paying tax but they are devoting money to tackling the future problem of super intelligent AI killing it so who can say if it's good or bad Mm. yeah I know yeah and but and it allows them to be fascinated by it. So like, there's this um, uh, engineer who used to work for uh, uh, Google and then got bought by Amo. Uh, by so, sorry, uh, used to work for Google and then got bought by Uber. Anthony Lewandowski, I think his I name is. I don't know why you're looking at me. But he's I just know. checking because he has a, fat, a sexual fantasy about him as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he registered to start his own religion. There was a great piece in the Baffler um, called Pets or Livestock, which was saying how there's these sort of like uncanny parallels between this sort of belief that you can worship intelligence and it will create this other that will fix the problems in the world for you. And so there's parallels between that in Silicon Valley and, you know, old Gnostic religions who, um, Gnostics being a sect, who, you know, believed that the world was created by, imperfectly by a sort of second-rate god called the Demiurge. And that knowing about this was like the first step towards kind of solving it into spiritual salvation. So there's this link between intelligence and moral purity. Yeah, but like surely AI can't have better moral reasoning than the people who create it. Or can it, AI expert? Well, okay, well, I mean, I would like to say um, that I don't think superintelligence is going to come about, definitely not in any of our lifetimes. And I would kind of doubt if it ever comes about. I'm maybe in a minority think well not in terms of AI research is most people are like we, we just don't have the tools for it now I, I, we might in the future unless you buy brain force plus <laughs> <laughs> but I guess there's, there's, there's like being able to reason really well and logically work something out according to a set of rules and mm-hmm. that's making the rules in the first place and are you saying that computers can better make the moral rules of the world then is that what people well believe? that's their belief yeah because yeah. they think well if we just How? Create, well, well because <laughs> it'll be cleverer than us and that is the but gap do, that solves all the logical problems be utilitarian is that like, do they mean anything other than Maybe like, they'll come up with something even better than all of that, you okay, know? So, you just so, know so yeah, it's do. just literally a leap <laughs> okay. of faith. Now what I want to happen is to actually create a super intelligent AI that comes with a solution and then like it Nigel Farage is like, I think we've heard quite enough of experts. <laughs> 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 but it would be, be fucked. It would be like, so if, you, if you're part of this religion and then, then your supercomputer says we have to kill all the people, presumably you have to commit genocide. Well, I mean, this is why it's kind of... Red, white, and blue genocide. (laughs) (laughs) It's because this is the thing. Some people say that, you know, uh, there's a great... A uh, guy I wrote his name down somewhere. He is called Maciej uh, Siklowski, who is a sort of um, Polish-American web developer who runs a site called Pinboard, which is like a sort of social bookmarking site. Okay. But he, he, his argument, or one of his many arguments, he does, he does some great sort of talks about this sort of stuff, is that this is essentially filling a gap that all humans have for some sort of faith in a higher being. But right. by the techies doing it, they A, want to make it in their own in- image, 
and yes. B, they think they can control it if they make it. So it, again, it's another example of it's hubris. It's a nerd god. <laughs> it's an, yeah, well, exactly. It would be a nerd god because it would figure out the best thing for any situation. It would do so logically. It would do so by being super intelligent. So it's this worship but, of intelligence. Worship but the of female computers just wouldn't understand when it was there as their friend. <laughs> 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 Ultimately, we, we know that if, if we allow sort of fratty tech bros to, um, to program this AI decision-making, Really, what it would probably do is ask everyone if they can code, right, <laughs> and then kill yeah. everyone who can't code, right? Uh, like literally, yeah. yeah. And this is why these questions, although they seem sort of speculative, aren't at all speculative. And this is why I thought the essay was so good because you know it it, it doesn't matter like the, these debates about whether there's going to be a super intelligent AI. It does matter about who is coding these machines now, who is making the ethical decisions for them now. And as we know, Silicon Valley. You know, it has been proved time and time again to be, you know, morally nice. lacking. <laughs> <laughs> subtitles there, audio subtitles. Um, you know, and, and and so, and this is a real problem. And AI researchers are very worried about it. Some companies are less worried about it. That what we are going to do is just going to end up being an amplifier for human prejudices. I've seen it called algorithmic bias. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. So you have automatic sentencing and so forth that you can get where they, they put sort of demographic details about you, exactly what you did and to whom into a computer. Um, and I think this is happening in the UK. And the judge doesn't even decide your sentence anymore, just yep. spits it out. And the idea yeah. is that it's more objective. Yeah. But in fact, all you've done is taken the body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and you but what you've the real the real insidiousness <laughs> Is that it's not even like you can appeal and say, well, this judge was clearly a racist because he, you know. I mean, the judge yeah. is, a, is a computerized yeah. racist. Right. That's, that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what it is. Right. And, but now, it, but it's you know, wearing the garb of objectivity. We must right. build a future for our digital children. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing, because like, people are like worried about AI. What if it changes everything? No, that's not the problem. AI, what if everything stays exactly what the same it, and yeah, just we have less yeah. of a choice in it? Like, that we just. That's a good sound bite. <laughs> 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 Thanks. That, that, was, like, that was it. The tingo. <laughs> you need what? We need like an air horn or something. Oh, I can edit one in. Wait, is it going off now? Is it? Is it now? Is it grinding oh, out? It's, de right? it's, de it's deafening our listeners as we speak. Yeah. But the really damning moral of the story is that we'll never be smart enough to create anything smart enough to be smart smarter than how fucking stupid and racist we all are. <laughs> 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 Mm. That, was like a, that was like a tongue twister. I got lost in that. Deep. I'm sorry. I didn't. I, no, um, I couldn't was, follow my way out Pierre of that. was trying your new double negative uh, method for posting racism on Twitter. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Right. It's just about confusing uh, the moderators. A real grammar Nazi. Yeah, you actually have to pay me royalties <laughs> if you use it. <laughs> actually, yeah, that was a good joke. I didn't hear it in time to laugh, but it was a good joke. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm noting that we're, uh, we're sort of butting up against, against time a little bit. Mm. Uh, so before we uh, before we we sort of we, uh, we 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 put away our, our microphones and you know go drink properly. All right. Uh, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.